So, hi guys. Welcome to our first podcast. Um, my name is Josh, and... My name is Nate. All right. So, Nate, what are we going to be talking about today? Uh, today, we're going to kick things off. Um, just kind of giving our perspective on uh, everything that's been going on, kind of uh, current events, uh, especially um, with the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, we're just going to kind of uh, kind of give our takes on the current uh, political climate of America. Yep. Um, so as we know, Ruth, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away on Friday evening. She was a member of the Supreme Court for over 20 years. Um, she is known for her fight for gender equality and for women's rights and reproductive rights. Um, and her death right now in this current political climate leaves like great uncertainty. Um, I know when I found out I was in complete shock and disbelief, um, especially since her death leaves an open vacancy and as we know, there's a lot of controversy surrounding like the Supreme Court and in like in especially in an election year, whether a president has like a duty to like nominate someone or is it the responsibility of whoever's the winner winner of the November election. And four years ago when Barack Obama tried appointing Merrick Garner, um to fill the late Antonin Scalia's uh, seat. We know that Republicans opposed it for over a year, didn't even give him a hearing. However, <laughs> times have, I guess, changed and they are trying to say that they will nominate someone to the Supreme Court, give that person a hearing and, confirm and um, like a confirmation um before the november election and that's only 40 days away so that's just complete <laughs> that's absurd to me <laughs> because it's, it's absolutely ridiculous i mean if you look at mitch mcconnell's statement in 2016 he said like the people need to have a say um but now all of a sudden he's just completely turned around same with um uh lindsey graham he's totally turned around as well um and it's it's absolutely just ridiculous, especially because it was Ruth Bader Ginsburg's dying wish um, to be, have her, uh, have her successor be nominated by whoever wins the election. And uh, the only reason I think that Republicans are doing this, that Mitch McConnell is trying to rush this process, is because he knows that Trump does not have that good of a chance. That's the only reason. If he had faith in Trump, then he could probably stall a bit more, but they're rushing because they know that if they're not going to lose the presidency, they're probably going to lose the Senate. Yep. I could, I completely agree with that. And I just, <laughs> again, it's so hypocritical because it's, it's just like, it's mind boggling that four years ago, that when Obama wanted to do this, he said, no, he can't. And you completely disregarded um, his like constitution duty, like 
pretty much that's his duty as as a president to nominate someone and they the republicans politicized the supreme court um we know a branch of government that should not be political whatsoever um and now it's just and the, the thing that scares me the most is that there is 40 something days until the election Republicans right now are in control of the Senate, um, and we know that they will try everything in their power to try to get someone through. But what I found interesting is that um, the I forgot her what her name is, but she's a senator from Maine, and she said that she will. She said we should wait to the outcome of the election. She's a Republican. Um, for the next president to nominate someone to the Supreme Court because she knows that it's completely hypocritical and absurd for Republicans to go back on, on their word. And we've just seen over the last few years, the, in my opinion, the lack of morals within the Republican Party. Like, I just... it, I, the Republican Party at this point, um, I think we're witnessing the downfall of it. Um, because before it was kind of was upheld by people who you know I have political disagreements with, but you know, like John, a guy like John McCain, John McCain, John McCain exactly. Yeah. He was a. Uh, if you look at like there was a, a clip I saw one day of him uh, in his 2008 campaign when he was going against Obama, and he pretty much shut down one of his supporters saying like who was bashing Obama, and he was saying that Obama is a good man, and that you know they have some disagreements politically, but he respects him as a person. And that's the kind of like partisanship that, that I appreciate. I mean, I'm completely opposed to the two party system as it is, but I mean, now we're seeing the Republican party change from which was once was a political party to just like the party of Trump. Like they're just going with whatever he says and completely backing him and Republicans who are not supporting Trump you're seeing that they are just getting completely bashed, destroyed, pretty much cast out of their own party for mm. upholding what they believe are their old morals. It's completely, it's just, oh my God, it's so ridiculous. Like, I just, I really can't. And the fact that what many people are scared of with the appointment uh if there's an appointment of another conservative justice that will move the court to six three and like many landmark cases such as Roe v. Wade and other cases regarding women's reproductive rights, um, they're scared that that will either be overturned or it'll be harder for women uh, to get safe legal abortions and other like necessities regarding their health and i was just thinking i'm like there's no law in the united states that tells a man what they should do with <laughs> their body <laughs> Which there's, you, no, there's you no have, law that says you have right, to have a vasectomy right <laughs> but you're telling women that <laughs> they shouldn't get an abortion no yeah, the issue is the I've noticed, like, if you're, if you consider yourself pro-life, but you don't care about what happens to the child after they're born, like, if you don't care about kids in the foster care system, if you don't care about kids growing up in 
underprivileged, impoverished communities, you aren't pro-life. You're pro-controlling women. Mm-hmm. And the issue I have with uh, people are allowed to have their religious beliefs influence their morals, but it shouldn't be like freedom of religion is supposed to be. Uh, you can't limit what I practice. It's not, oh, that's against my religion, so you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not at all what it is. Like, there isn't... Re- I mean, this is now me going into uh, gay marriage, but there's no uh-huh. reason outside of a passage in the Bible that says uh, two people of the same sex can't get married. And actually, that if you believe in the Bible... Um, most people reference uh, Leviticus, uh, I believe it's 18, it's either 1812 or 1822, um, where it says that thou shall not lie with a man as he does with a woman. Um, but that's Old Testament. And if you are a Christian and you believe in Jesus, one of the first things about Jesus's teaching is that all the Old Testament, those laws have now been invalidated. And now it, you're supposed to love everyone and treat everyone equally and have kindness. Like Jesus would support Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Like these oh, people I... just, they just don't, some people just don't understand that like, there is not, when a majority of your politicians are all a part of the same religion, like that's not separation of church and state. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to be, re- you're allowed to be religious. But when you are, using religion as a reason to institute laws that isn't really separation of church and state it it, it isn't it really isn't and the this is like going off a little little off topic but the fact that we as americans we love to say separation of uh, church and state but we have our children in an elementary school in middle and high school, like, pledge their allegiance to a flag um, that before, like, politicians take um, their oath for office, that they say, like, so help me God. That in our current that we say, in God we trust. So it's not a separation. We thought we've... No, there go are ahead. clear influences of Christianity in every aspect of American government. Mm-hmm. And just going back, I'm just super, I'm just frightened for what's going to happen. This year has been so unprecedented and crazy and ext- so extreme that I just don't know what will happen next. And I'm just... <laughs> It's actually, it's actually terrifying. Like I, um, like when I go back and think of it, like I, like if you look at the 14 qualifying or the, like the 14 points of like what makes someone a fascist or what makes a fascist government, Trump hits almost all those points. And when you start seeing person, like I'm looking at this like persecution of people of certain religions, of just certain identifiers. Like a fascist, like a pre, like this is like pre-fascism. Like this is like the beginning stages of a fa- like a completely fascist government. Mm-hmm. Trump has said that he deserves a third term because he feels that he wasn't treated fairly when under the first amendment, free speech protects your right to criticize the government. It, he just see, 
like he's creeping so close to a level of fascism which has been seen before in history that it's legitimately terrifying that we're living in this stage where like we could be a year away from a civil war or or well, probably not that extreme but there's there's such polarization that events like this will it already has and probably will get more violent like what happens if trump doesn't accept the outcome of the election if he loses that just becomes like whoever the military is faithful to is gonna change everything like that's how the country will be shaped after that to um i think to maybe so Wait, Josh, what are you saying? You're kind of, you're breaking up on my end. Kind of, like, I, I can somewhat understand what you're saying. It's just, like, coming through. Hold on. Try again. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you good. Okay. So, as I was saying, it's just, um the Republicans are so eager to get another conservative justice because they know that most likely that the election results will probably have to be determined um, by the Supreme Court because of all the mail-in voting that's going to happen due to the COVID-19 pandemic that he completely mishandled. That's a conversation for another day. (laughs) We'll hit that one later. (laughs) I mean... Yeah, they're they're completely rushing this process, like we've said before, because they're scared. I think they are legitimately scared of the people. But what terrifies me more is, I like I don't know who is supposed to be the one to determine whether or not ballots are valid or not. So, if it falls under Trump's branch, I'm not saying that he's going to commit like a Watergate, but it's possible. It's very possible. I mean, you've seen what he tried to do to the Postal Service. I mean, even though he wasn't indicted for it, like the whole the whole fact that there was an investigate, the fact that there was an investigation that was needed to prove whether or not Russia interfered with the 2016 election mm-hmm. is proof enough that he is probably capable and willing of trying to rig an election for yeah. his own victory. His own hurt. Yeah. And I just, the way that he has shown his true characters over this, these last four years and how he has undermined the will and wishes of the American people, of the people within his own um, cabinet and administration. We've seen that, like, from the new Bob Woodward book. We've seen from, like, the Michael Cohen book. We've seen, like, all these people around him keep on getting in, uh, keep on go to jail. He will be indicted. Keep on... <laughs> There's so much corruption happening. Like, the amount, amount of tell-all books... And they all repeat the same thing. His negligence, 
his stupidity, and his unwillingness to be a voice and to advocate for the American people and to just behave like a decent human being. It's like, I, after these four years, I can, so I can somewhat understand people who voted for Trump in 2016. Like, I understand, like, business owners who were looking for, like, oh, he's talking all about the economy and everything, and how he's going to fix everything, which, I mean, everyone calls Trump a great businessman, but he's declared bankruptcy six times. Um, but they're talking about, so I can somewhat understand 2016 Trump voters, I, a little bit. Not really, but I mean, I kind of see the path they took. But I don't understand people who want to vote Trump in 2020. Because he's just proven him, he's only gotten more polarized, more radical. Like he's gotten more racist, more sexist, more Islamophobic, more xenophobic. He's just, he is completely appealing to his white nationalist base. Mm-hmm. And so, and even still, if there are Trump supporters who just like choose not to see that, he still didn't accomplish anything that he said he would. Mm-hmm. He's only added to that the debt, which he said he would wall. fix. He said he was going to build a wall, which would have put us into even more debt. It cost trillions of dollars, which actually most illegal immigration is caused by people coming here legally with visas, uh, with green cards, and then they just don't renew them. And then they just overstay a visa. And then, and then they're here and they're counted as undocumented immigrants. A wall wouldn't really stop like much undocumented immigration. But even still, he didn't do it. His mm-hmm. Muslim ban, which he was preaching yep. throughout all the beginning of his campaign, just didn't happen. He said he would repeal Obamacare. That didn't happen. He's mm-hmm. just, he has failed on every count of his presidency. And if you just look at it objectively, if I were to somehow ignore all of the hate and just look at all the stuff that he said he was going to do, he hasn't accomplished anything. He has. All the jobs he created off of Obama's economy, he lost. Mm-hmm. He's the first president in a while to have negative job growth. He's, mm-hmm. he's just, like, he has just failed us as a leader. Mm-hmm. Like, we are the laughing stock of the international community. And the way that he has, I feel like, He's taken advantage of a lot of Americans. Don't you remember? He, like, you think like um, a billionaire who has a history of corruption, of uh, instituting a racist um, agenda against African Americans, saying um, saying to an um, person of Hispanic background that call, call her Miss Piggy and Miss Housekeeping and say all these disgusting things about women and about people of color. It's just, I don't think, I don't understand how you think that person is going to unite us as a country. It's, it's just, it's so, it's so perplexing. I honestly would like to sit down with like, a hardcore Trump supporter, like someone who would just support him until the end. I would really just like to just kind of get into their mind. I feel like it would be somewhat difficult for me to have a discussion with them. Um, But I feel like I just want to know, like, what motivates people 
to want to stick with Trump. Like, people voted for him in 2016 mostly because they just didn't want Hillary. But now you have Joe Biden, who is, I mean, he's not my favorite candidate. I would have preferred uh, a Bernie or an Elizabeth Warren or an Andrew Yang. But, um, you know, I'm settling for Biden um, because he does have plans and he is experienced and he is proving himself to be um, somewhat of an effective leader. But I just, Trump, Trump has failed. And I just, I don't understand how someone could keep supporting him. I, I kind of just lost my train of thought about where I was going. But, um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's so, so confusing to me because, all right, wait, hold on, I'm back. Joe, like, so Joe Biden isn't, he's not, he's just very not Hillary Clinton. And Joe Biden's whole plan to simplify it is it's not democratic socialism. It's not free health care for everyone. It's not free college, which I would love because most developed countries have free health care yeah. and free public college. But um, Joe Biden is capitalism, but make it work for everyone. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are scared saying, oh, he's going to impose tons of taxes he's gonna have a huge tax hike he's only raising taxes on people who make more than four hundred thousand dollars a year which is not many people i mean it's just people just don't for some reason just don't want to listen to what joe has to say or what really any of the democratic party has to say which Mm -hmm. i myself i am not a democrat but i like if i have i'm not gonna be able to vote in the election because i won't be old enough but if I could or vote in any election, pretty much I my vote would be Democrat because it's not Republican. Because if you just look at some of the trends of the Republican Party, like the economy has been shown to somewhat do better under Democratic presidents. It, I, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like Reagan's whole idea of trickle down economics, the money didn't trickle down. It just sat in a fat New York bank account with billions of other dollars, all owned by one man. Mm-hmm. And like for me, like I don't, I don't identify with fully with the Democratic Party. Like I'm nowhere near. I'm not a Republican. Um, it's just, it shouldn't. You shouldn't have to question whether you think the person that you're voting for is a racist, is a narcissist, is a xenophobe, is a pathological liar. Like, you shouldn't have to, like, que- question those things. And, like, when I look at the two candidates, it's, like, the choice is very clear. The choice is so clear. Someone who has, though is not perfect, not perfect by any means, I don't question whether Joe Biden is a racist, is a bigot, is a misogynist. Like, I don't question those things. Like, it's like, I just don't understand the fact that his, still, his, still, his popularity within his own party, even though he has done, he's just embarrassed us in a global, in a global, in the global community. And like, when I look at it, I'm just, it's it's like it's heart wrenching to think this is the man who 
is, in my opinion, is a white supremacist. Like, Donald Trump is a white supremacist, period. Period. I don't care if you don't like that opinion. I really don't care that opinion. He is a white supremacist, period. Like, the fact that he has called um, pro, um, peaceful protesters and neo-Nazis and white supremacists and uh, good people on both sides, the fact that he said in a recent town hall that he doesn't see a racism problem in the United States, like, how tone-deaf is that comment? Like, only it's a just... white, privileged man would say that. It's just so ignorant and it's just so it's so like he's completely just blind or actually i don't well no he's not blind he can fully see what's happening and so he is pretty much he's saying it's like saying all lives matter no it's what he's saying isn't like i mean what trump says is racist but when he says good people on both sides that's not him saying oh nazis are good people but he's not saying they're bad people either. Again, it's like saying all lives matter. Like if you say, of course all lives matter, that's a given, every life matters, but black lives have not mattered for the longest time. And if you truly wanna say all lives matter, why aren't you saying anything about what's happening in the ISIS? Why Why don't you care about the status of immigration in America? Why don't you care about when Asian Americans were being disproportionate, like when they were having so many hate crimes committed against them at the beginning of the pandemic? Mm-hmm. Where, like, where are the All Lives Matter people then? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's because All Lives Matter isn't a movement. It's a counterphrase. It's meant to antagonize Black Lives Matter. It's supposed to be saying, oh, stop saying Black Lives Matter without saying Black Lives Don't Matter. It's, I just, I, mean, it's just, I, I completely agree with everything that you're saying. It's just, it's, it's so frustrating to, to trying to explain to people everything going on right now and how black people in the United States were tired. We've been tired. You're lucky that we want equality and not revenge. The I'm I'm just saying I said said what I said. I mean, if you look at it, the only the fact that it takes us burning down our communities to get a murderer off the streets, the fact that the killers who Brianna Taylor are still not not in custody, that shit pisses me off. The fact that you can go into someone's home and Un- murder them while they are sleeping. Sleeping. Uh, again, unmarked, not announcing yourself, just coming in. And they already had the person they were looking for in custody earlier that day. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were just looking for a situation to pull the trigger. And what bothers me, too, is that... Yes, on the, the family, I believe, was $12 million, but you can't put a number, a, a price value on a human life. You really if you're can't. Paying- and it always bothers me, too. It's the family, it's the community that always um, suffers. And this is like, the where's the money coming from? The money is tax 
taxpayer dollars. A police officer kills someone, and who who always suffers? It's the family, and it's the community. The family of Breonna Taylor was arrested before the people who killed her. Like, just let that sink in. They were protesting, like, a family member's death, saying, or a, not a death, a family member's murder. Because the mur- their murderers were still out there. Two of them still had jobs. They were protesting that, saying that, like, a me- my loved one deserves justice. And they were arrested before the people who killed her. It's just, it's tragic. I just can't. I, it's so heart-wrenching just to, just to think about that in this society that we have to go to the streets and say, Black Lives Matter. My life matters. And that the same people will just completely just disregard our feelings, what we as black people have been through in this society and not acknowledging our pain, our suffering that we have endured for 400 plus years and it is still going on. The fact that I have literally seen people who look like me be killed in the streets from a young age and it's just, it keeps on happening and nothing is changing. And right now we have someone who is just perpetuating violence. He's just an instigator. That's all that he is doing. He's instigating violence and chaos. And he is just, he's trying to create issues. And I actually, I find it actually one of the most amusing parts of the Trump campaign is that um, I didn't watch much of the RNC, mm-hmm. um, but one of their main points was all this chaos you see around you won't happen in Trump's America. This is Trump's America. This is where we are now. And he's been president for four years, and all that has happened is hate mm-hmm. and violence mm-hmm. and chaos. And he is allowing this to happen. He is almost encouraging it. He is building confidence in these white supremacists, in far right, like radical far right ideology. Like he's building confidence in those people. Do you think Kyle Rittenhouse would have shot two people, killed, (laughs) shot three people, killed two if Trump wasn't president? No. In his name, a 17 year old child murdered two protesters in the name of another white supremacist. And like, we're also acknowledging that the Department of Homeland Security has um, deemed white supremacy one of a a national threat to the United States. Like we're like, that that is where the violence is stemming from. And we have seen it time and time again. One of the scariest things I saw was that um, a White House official, I'm, I'm forgetting who it was, but a government official pretty much told someone on a Department of Homeland Security report to downplay and like pretty much change the statistics that they have 
to make white supremacy look like less of a threat, to make far-right terrorist groups be deemed less of a threat on an official report. It's just, like, that's terrifying, the, like, the level of corruption. Mm-hmm. But what's even, more ter- what's even more terrifying is I read that, and I, I mean, I didn't just brush it off. But I saw that, and I was just—I wasn't really shocked. I looked at it. I was like, you know what? I'm not surprised. Mm-mm. It just—it did not shock me. It did not phase me at all. The level of corruption that exists in this government. And I'm look—I'm a classical liberal. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I, so I, I'm not letting the Democratic Party off the hook either. I mean, if you look at some of the the arguments, uh, people will be upset saying that the Republicans want to take away our health care and they ask the Democrats to do something like, wow, that's terrible. We stand in solidarity with you, but we're not going to give you health care either. Isn't it terrible like, the Republicans like, aren't giving you health care? Like, it's just... I <laughs> agree. And, okay, let me, let me say something. Let me say something. Let me say something. Like, the, like, we, like, instead of fixing systemic racism, we're painting Black Lives Matter, like, on, on the street. I mean, like, yeah, that's nice and all, but I want real change. I want real institutional systematic change. I want to dismantle systematic racism within the United States. I, I want to. Period. Like, I don't want, like, it's nice, like, you put on the Black Lives Matter signs, but unless you are confronting your own um, biases and racial prejudices and seeing how that has it's been inflicted on African Americans and other people and other uh, people of color within the United States. Then, like, I'm sorry, like, it's not. We're not gonna go forward. We're not gonna go in the right direction. The con- the problem is just gonna continue to exist and be passed down to future generations. Like, we need to cut this out right now. We need to solve it. Exactly. I don't want to see. Uh... I don't want to see Nancy Pelosi taking a knee wearing a traditional African garment. I want to see Congress <laughs> passing a bill for reparations to reinvest in our communities <laughs> so that we can end the cycle of poverty, lower the crime rate. Like, ending, like lowering poverty would lower the crime rate. I think, I can't remember exactly what the statistic is, but I'm pretty sure that, um, I read something somewhere that said we can pretty much effectively end homelessness with 3% of our military budget. Mm-hmm. And we would still have the highest defense budget in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, look, I, su- oh, sorry. I support, yeah, I support the military. I support like active duty members of the military across all, well now six branches that Trump's established the space force. Um, I support all of them. I support veterans. If you look at like, if you look at like how much money is being spent on the military, we have so many allies across the globe that we don't need to be spending billions upon billions upon billions of dollars on the military. We need to fix some of the issues here as well. Like it's not going to, you're not going to lower the crime rate by sending troops into the Middle East. Mm-hmm. 
That's another. That's a whole nother. But yeah, <laughs> oh, so we'll we'll get into that. That's a whole nother conversation. That's a, and that's a whole nother conversation. I will. <laughs> another, I will do my math. I will do my research, and I will be fully prepared in another episode to talk budget. But you want to talk about that's a whole nother. Um, and I just like going back to the original like I um thing that we started off with is just like I'm almost scared that he will put someone on the Supreme Court that will just set us back, that'll just set us back on women's reproductive rights, on racial, in, uh, racial, in, uh, uh, racial uh, things within the United States, um, and many, like, other things that I feel like are plaguing our society. I feel like he's going to put someone on, on the Supreme Court that will just be a step in the wrong direction. You know, it'll it, go against all the progress so far that we have made. It's terrifying, and this progress has become it's so slow. Like, I, I'm not only scared for, like, myself, like, I'm kind of scared that they could repeal the Voting Rights Act, um, but I'm also scared, like, I have friends, I have many close friends um, who are within the LGBTQ plus community. Like, they could revoke just all mm. the, all mm. the progress we've made in LGBTQ plus, like, just civil rights. And we haven't even gone that far. Mm-mm. Like they could completely roll everything back for the next thirty years. And like, and I just find that terrifying. Mm-hmm. About let's like mm-hmm. we, it took us so long to just like take a few baby steps of progress towards actually upholding what America's supposed to stand for, which is liberty and justice for all. Mm-hmm. And what do they say in the and Constitution? All men are created equal. What are and, and now we are so close to just completely backtracking on all of that. Just so sad. Um, so we're going to do like closing thoughts. Um, Nate, do you want me to start or do you want to start? You can go ahead. Go ahead. I'll, I need to collect myself a little bit here. Okay. Um, my mind is just all over the place right now. Uh, the main goal that I just want to emphasize is that we need to, ha- having conversations like these are vital for progress. We cannot continue to think that these issues don't exist. We can't continue to downplay them they matter. We need to talk about it. People's lives and, and livelihoods are on the line. It, it just disappoints me that we as a society have are so divided right now that we can't come together, we can't talk about issues plaguing us and just have like a conversation and a dialect. It's just so, it's so important and I just want to emphasize that, first of all, we need to get this white supremacist out the White House, period, period. I don't care when you get him out of the White House. And I want to encourage everyone, whether you are voting age or not, to have conversations with family and friends. Um, use your social media platforms to advocate for LGBTQ plus rights, to advocate for Black Lives Matter and to advocate for any other issues you think are are worthy. That's the only way forward. Yeah. 
I'd say my closing thoughts are um, like stand up for what you believe in. I know that there are plenty of people out there um, who are probably not sure about where they stand on a lot of these uh, kind of hot topic issues. Um, I don't want to go with a, oh, think for yourself, don't be a sheep sort of thing, but really, you know, take some time to think about what you really value and what you believe in. Um, Because it's important to form your own opinions and then have discussions with other people about, uh, with, about those opinions. Because it's serious political discourse and civil political discourse is vital for the system that we call a democracy, which is really more of a republic. Um, but again, that's a topic for a later episode. But um, yeah, just kind of, I'm, I'm kind of really disorganized right now. But um, yeah, just stand up for what you believe in. I mean, I wasn't, I mean, I was a supporter of the Black Lives Matter movement before uh, late May. But now I have changed from a real passive support to I'm trying to be a much more active and really just take those few steps to just be more active for what you support. And if it's opposing what I believe in, okay, like we can, we'll cross the bridge of discussing those opinions when we get to it. But right now, I mean, we need to get a fascist out of office. Period. I mean, like, Period. if you believe, if you believe that you are a patriot, like, if you really believe in what the founding fathers wanted, the founding fathers did not want this. George Washington could have turned the presidency into anything he wanted to, but he stepped down after two terms because he understood that the presidency could not become a monarchy. I mean, they installed checks and balances for a reason. And if you really believe in what the founding fathers wanted, you would get Trump out of office. Because I do not think that the founding fathers would support how Trump has used the office of the presidency and how he's abused his power. Yeah, I completely agree. So that, that's it for me. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys so much for tuning into our first podcast. We'll definitely be back with many more issues discussing many important um, problems uh, facing our society right now. Thanks again. Thank you.